the chair, lots of commotion here this morning. Let me say good morning to everybody who is online. Welcome to you as well. Good to have you here at Colwood Church today. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here on this team, and I'm glad that you're here today. You, you've come for a really good day. Now, I know some of you, as you're sitting there, you're thinking, what in the world? Let me fill you in. Uh, last week, we started a brand new series called Storytime, because when I was a kid growing up in church, I had that opportunity, uh, we had these Sunday school teachers who would take this amazing technology and teach us, and it was a thing called a flannel graph board. It was fantastic technology. Now, I have a question for you today. How many of you have been taught by flannel graph before, board in your life? Let me see your hands. Hands down. Who has never been taught by flannel graph board ever before? You are in for a treat uh, right now with what's about to take place. So we started this new series of story time because we're wanting to, with the, the character who we're studying, whose name is Daniel, Daniel's got a lot of fantastic Bible stories that are there. And so let me help you um, make sense of what we're about to do here. Last week, we turned to chapter two where we took a look at our first story. Daniel in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was, a, was the king of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream one night. And in his dream, he kind of went to people and said, somebody tell me what this is. Nobody could. He's like, I'm going to kill you all if somebody doesn't tell me. And then Daniel, who is our main character and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all their Babylonian names, show up and they tell King Nebuchadnezzar the dream. And this was the dream that they actually told King Nebuchadnezzar. King, you are the head of gold. And then each of these four different features of this image and of this dream are going to be the empires that are going to follow your rule. Basically saying to the king, you may be the top dog, you may be the top head right now, but you're about to be finished. How much of an encouraging word is that? To which then King Nebuchadnezzar is like, Daniel and his friends, God, he's the real deal. We're going to listen to him odd because this Babylonian king has all his thousands of gods, but yet he lands on Daniel and his friends as king. Now, rumor has it uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar um, showed up last week and had a conversation with us. And if you were here last week, you heard this amazing conversation. Believe this or not, King Neb, you know, contacted me this week. He's like, can I make another appearance today? And I'm like, well, I don't know how I feel about that. I said, let me ask the people. So people, do you want to hear King Nebuchadnezzar again today? Uh, Are you open for that? Okay, so King, if, if you're kicking around, let's do it. Let's see what we're... And hold on, King, before you even say that, like, if, if you missed this last week, you need to go back and watch it. In both the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m., King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel's voices, they changed. It was weird. It was a miracle. But so I'm really excited to hear what I'm about to hear. King Nebuchadnezzar, are you kicking around? Reverend Chapman, <laughs> as soon as you asked me, to come back. I told you immediately, I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I I get it. I I guess we're going with the Arnie thing today, uh, but I'll be back. Okay, King, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the story. Let me replace this picture with actually the story of chapter three now, because as much as it is similar, there is a little bit of a difference here. Let's let people see it, but we're going to focus on this. Tell us what in the world is going on, King. Thank you very much, Reverend Chapman. As you can see, there's this massive gold statue that I built. Now you might be wondering, why did I build a gold statue of myself? Such a great question, Reverend Chapman. Thank you. I built this statue because I became so proud of all the success that I have. I conquered many nations, and I decided that I wanted all of the people to bow down to the statue. 
And so I made this statue out of pure gold, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. It was humongous. <laughs> it was huge. That's something Arnie would say. Anyway, that's really good to hear. Uh, okay, so King... Uh, in this, like, our story today, and this is odd because it really focuses around you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our main character is Daniel, but he's nowhere to be seen in this chapter. Like, King, can you kind of give us an idea? Where's, where's Daniel in this story? Such a great question, Reverend Chapman. Daniel was away on assignment. He was actually a judge on that season of Babylon's Got Talent. <laughs> Now, that, that may not be fully true, just in case you're new today. Uh, we, we don't know that for sure, but that sounds really good. Okay, so King, so what, what's the idea with the statue? What are, what are people supposed to do um, with this statue? Give us a little bit of the story. Yeah, so I had this statue made, and it was exquisite. And I said to the people, as soon as the music comes on, you all must bow down to this great statue of me and worship me. Now, King, I, I do need to ask, what kind of what genre of music was it that day? Like, what's your, what's your go-to? Oh, I am a big fan of hip-hop. Okay. It makes sense. Middle Eastern, yeah, uh, hip-hop is, is the thing. So, okay, so what you're telling us, King, is that when the, when the hip-hop plays, people need to, and sorry, folks, like, I don't have little characters that actually bow down, so these guys are now bowed down. Uh, so when the music plays, these people bow down, and they're worshiping the statue. But it just so happens that there are three people in the crowd, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who choose not to bow down. So King, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, when the beat was going to drop, the people were supposed to drop with it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no. And I said to them, who do you guys think I am? Some kind of kindergarten cop or something? <laughs> If you do not bow down to the statue, I will terminate you. Yeah, I bet you did say that. Uh, so, okay, so true story. They didn't bow. Everyone else does. King, you come to them one more time, and you're like, listen, I give you one more shot. Music plays. These people bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not. What happens next, King? Some of the officials told me that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down. And they refused to bow to the golden image of me. And I shouted, what are you doing? Get over here. I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And then we shall see if there is a God who can rescue you from my hands. So literally, you built a fiery furnace for anybody who wouldn't bow. These boys don't do it. And so suddenly, the story shows us that they are thrown into a fiery furnace. King, I've heard some rumors that um, that, that fire was pretty hot. Like, tell us about that. Oh, yeah, it was wicked hot. The guys <laughs> who throw them into the furnace, even they died. It was crazy. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Now, believe this or not, the old version called the Septuagint, which is the oldest translation of Greek in the Old Testament, shows us that when these boys were cast into the fire, it was, heard some, it was heard that there was singing. So King, is that a true story? Did, was there singing coming out of this um, fire as you put these guys in there? Yes, absolutely. And I think that you are all actually familiar with the song, 
you sang it earlier today that there was another in the fire. Okay. And that's what Daniel, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were singing in the fire that day. So you're telling us today that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not Hillsong, wrote the song, There's Another in the Fire. I think some royalties are owed to those boys for sure. Yeah, I, I think you could be absolutely right with that. But King, as you look at that and you hear the noise, you look into the fiery furnace and you threw three in, but you see something different. Talk to us about that. What do you see? Yeah, on the way into the furnace, the boys said, our God can save us, but even if we have to die, we will never bow down to another God. And so I saw the boys go into the furnace. There was three of them. And yet when I looked into the furnace, I could see four men in the flames. And then one of them looked like the son of God. He was shining very brightly. And the three friends walked out of the furnace. And Reverend Chapman, I got to tell you this. Yes. Remember when I said that I would kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last? Yes. I lied. You, okay. So these boys come out of the fire. They go before you again. And King, you give one more decree now to them all. What was that decree? I said to everyone, no one is to speak against their God, for no other God could rescue his followers like this. And so these three friends were promoted to high positions in the province, and they continued to be faithful to serve God in the land of the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar, I can't tell you where I would be in teaching this series without you. And so I just want to say thank you again. Uh, please say hi to Arnie as well when you see him. And uh, hey, folks, could we say thanks to King Nebuchadnezzar one more time? Thank you very much, Reverend Chapman. Now everyone pay very close attention to the rest of the message, please. Thank you for that plug. I appreciate that. Story time. True story happens in our Bible about these three boys. Statue, refused to bow down get thrown into a fire, except there's four people in there who is Jesus with them. They get out, and the king changes his mind again. This king, seriously, is crazy, first of all. Uh, but we're going to kind of watch a little bit of his story here today. Now, with that said, what you just heard here was Daniel chapter 3, the Word of God. One of the things we really love to do is when we read the Word of God, we like to pray. So we pray with me one more time as we've read and had some fun with this uh, interaction today. So God, I pray that you'll teach us because there are some deep lessons in here for our lives. And so whatever you have to say, communicate clearly today is what I ask for. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. This morning, I'd like to speak to us from the subject, even if. Turn to a neighbor, say, even if, even if, even if. I, let's be honest for a second, though. What a change that we have kind of looked at here because in chapter 2 last week, it finished with this king, King Nebuchadnezzar saying, Daniel, your God is the real deal. We're going to pay attention to him. And then in this chapter, the king kind of takes it all back and he kind of does his own thing again. As I referred to us before from the Septuagint, the Septuagint will also place that what happened in chapter 2 and then to chapter 3 is about 16 to 20 years in separation. So although we kind of flip the page to read the story, there's a little bit of history behind these moments. It's why King Nebuchadnezzar's voice changed one more time. Uh, you never know what happens in two decades and what happens for our lives, but we have this thing. He talks to us about this statue being 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. As an equivalent, what we're talking about is go downtown, look at the legislature building, or the empress for that matter. The statue is just underneath its height. Not as wide, of course, but 9 feet. 
it shows us in the original language that it was 60 cubits high by six cubits wide. And you would look at those numbers and you would directly link it to a series that we have recently done in our church called Revelation. Perhaps you've heard of these six numbers happening in a sequence and it happens to be six, 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 which is, we understand in the word of God, the number six is the sign of man. It's a number of man and it's an imperfect number. And so interesting, don't you think, that when the actual cubits are 60 by 6, and again, I know it's not the perfect math, but people point themselves to it. In fact, what people have done for a really long time is they've looked at King Nebuchadnezzar's life, and they've also looked at what we learn about the person of the Antichrist in Revelation, and they say, like, they're, they're on the same track, and they're going in the same way, and here's why. Because both King Nebuchadnezzar and the Antichrist, they required one thing from the people, and it was this, that you have to bow down and worship. And so people have kind of uniquely linked, and I'm not saying today that King Nebuchadnezzar is the Antichrist because he's dead. The reality is, is that these people, they will ask you to worship them. It's interesting. The unique part about this story that we're also looking at today is that there is a unique tie. So historians, archaeologists will point to another key story in the Bible from Genesis chapter 11. Perhaps you've heard of this story. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. Yeah? If you have not heard the story, go take a look at it. It is fantastic. But the idea of the story of the Tower of Babel, these people erected this building to try to get themselves up to God and to be like God. God decides that he doesn't want any part of that anymore with them. And so he comes down and he scatters these people. The humans were trying to be God and he's like, "Eh -eh, not going to happen. But what we begin to see here today in our story is King Nebuchadnezzar is going to try to finish what was started by his ancestors. And he builds himself statue. So a great story, but I want to pull out four lessons from this story for us today before we head into our week. And the first thing that I want to pull out of this story is this thing called pride. See, this was the Achilles heel of King Nebuchadnezzar, evidenced by him making this statue 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, pure gold, because he wanted to, him, he wanted to be worshiped himself. In fact, I would I would probably contend that King Nebuchadnezzar was the poster child for pride. (laughs) He knew what he was doing. In fact, Proverbs 16, verse 18, it literally says that pride comes before the fall. I mean, really, King Neb, you knew because of the previous chapter that your kingdom was limited. It was going to lose its momentum. It was done. And yet King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, no, it's not. I'm going to actually win this story with this God of heaven, and I'm going to show him who is supposed to be in charge. And it's interesting that when I look at King Nebuchadnezzar's story out of chapter one, there are so many intriguing things. First of all, why would you build this when you are told that you're about to die and your empire is about to finish? Number two, the amount of people that he brought to the story was really intriguing to me. These people were known as the government officials, the satraps, they they were the eunuchs, they were the bench, the government, everything. He invited the most important people of the empire to make them do one thing, and that was to bow down and to worship him. I mean, talk about the state really becoming God at that point. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted it all under his command, and he was going to make them bow. In fact, in in verses 13, 19, and 22, it tells us this about King Nebuchadnezzar. It says that he was full of rage. It says that he was so furious 
that his face distorted itself when he spoke. Have you ever met a person who's so angry that their face is distorted? Uh, Don't put up your hand and don't acknowledge the person beside you. That may not be good for your life as their face starts to twitch. Anyway, uh, but you would see all of this but anger. But really caught my attention about pride with King Neb was the comment that he made in verse 15. And he said this, what God, like what God do you think is going to be able to save you from my hand and my power? And I think, oh, dear Lord, you have just crossed a threshold, king, for something that is not good for your life. See, what King Nebuchadnezzar was doing is he was trying to deify himself. You talk about this God, Yahweh, God of the Israelites, the Hebrews. Yeah, well, I'm just as good as he. And he makes this distinction. John Lennox would say that when an absolute monarch like Neb gets it into his head that he must prove his invincibility, It is inevitable that others will suffer. What I'd like you to do, though, is replace Nebuchadnezzar's name with your own. And think about that when it comes to the pride that may swell up in our lives. That when we think and when we do, inevitably, it is also going to bring harm to somebody else. Now, this is important today because you and I, we may not be monarchs like King Nebuchadnezzar, but you want to know one thing I know about us? is that we are easily succumbed to this thing called pride in our lives as well. Yeah? Have you experienced this before? Because I know I have. In fact, I, I knew that in, in the month of January when we were in 21 days of prayer and fasting, God himself had something to say about Sean Chapman's pride. And he wanted to undo some things that I thought were on a right path, but they were not. And God needed to get my attention with some of the things that were happening. You know what the interesting part about King Nebuchadnezzar? Let's go back to chapter 2. Because in chapter 2, guess what he did? He repented and he turned to God. And then guess what he does in chapter 3? He does what you and I do all the time, right? Oh God, I am sorry. I will follow you. And then I'm going to just do it the way I think I need to in this next season. Oh God, please see me. I'm just so broken and I need your help. And right back and we go into this cycle. Have you experienced this cycle before? Because I know I have as well. Let me ask you about the pride of your life today. Today, do you think that you're owed something? Perhaps do you demand from other people as well? Or who are you stepping on in order to succeed your agenda? Perhaps you may have the first lesson of pride. The second thing that I see in this text is the, is the function of idolatry. So as we see, King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes an image. An image is a good picture of mankind. And this is what I mean by that. Outwardly, we look at these images and we think that they are imperishable. But guess what? They're inwardly inferior. And so imagery is a really good picture for you and I where we think we got it all together, but inside it is crumbling apart. And because of it, we're also hurting other people. You know, the best part about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was that as the king was telling them, you're going to worship, you're going to fall down in front of this image of mine, and you're going to worship me, they replay this thing in their head from Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5, which basically, if I were to sum it up, God says, don't make idols, don't worship them, because I'm a jealous God. And these boys standing in front of this king with their lives on the line decide, no, I'm still not going to do it. And it's interesting, right, because the text that we see on the screen, many of us would know it as the Ten Commandments or the Ten Rules. When I'm looking at these things, I am not looking at them as rules. I'm looking at them out of relationship. 
I'm seeing that God is giving us these things because he knows that what idolatry will do to you and I is detrimental to who we are in him. And so he kind of comes to us today and he says, listen, throw aside those idols because they're going to bring chaos to your life and watch this. I'm a jealous God. I love you. I'm worth your worship, so give it to me alone. It's always relationship over rules when it comes to God. Don't mistake that. Oh, he's such a rule. No, he's not. He loves you and he allows this to happen out of relationship. So King Nebuchadnezzar gives them two options, worship or burn. Wow, how many of you would like to have been standing in Babylon that day, worship or burn? What would you do? Seriously, what would you do? I don't know, I've thought about it. Maybe I do about my, I, I don't know. What would you do though? And one of the tools that King Nebuchadnezzar uses, which I think is really interesting, is he uses music. Now, please hear me. I am not about to do a message on music, but I do want to say this about it. I actually do believe today that music for all of us in this room, it is a type of mind control and it is used for seduction. And we have seen world powers use music for a reason to seduce a people. Lisa and I taped a show this last week. Grammys? Was it Grammys? Yeah. I want to see what's happening in culture. As I sat there that night, I was grieved in my heart about the seduction that was taking place. So although I'm not talking about music today, please understand, an enemy will use music to seduce and to mind play you. Fair enough? Okay, I'll move on because it's not my main point. A lot of idolatry goes on in our day today. This is true. You know where I see it? In the world. Can I get an amen? You know where else I see it? In the church. Will your amen be as loud? I see it in both places. And what I see here is that this is always about worship. So let me ask you, who has your worship? What has your worship? Because if it ain't God, it is an idol. And you are treading on very thin ice, is what I would say. Now some of us say in this story, Sean, probably it would have been good if Shaq, Rack, and Benny just actually bowed down and, you know, then got back up and said, well, God knows my heart. But you know what Rack, Shaq, and Benny don't do? Is they don't do that. They actually know that for them, they're not going to bend the rule to what is at stake. They are going to follow God through it all. You know what these guys show us? That they were prepared not to compromise. And this is a good word for us today because, like me, you, I think many of us have compromised at places in our lives when it's come to the other idols. But these guys don't do it, neither to the actual statue or the idolatrous regime that is there. They stay true. Now, let me say this. The cost of resisting idolatry is high, but it does not compare with the cost of rejecting God. I hope that you will walk away from today with this in your head. Are you compromising when it comes to the idols of your life? If you are, you're playing with the cost of rejecting God in your life. I will say this, that we will never be able to bring the world to Christ by becoming like it. We cannot. And so what I'm advocating for in this moment is that we have to Understand that there is a higher power that this world needs. It is not self-help, nor books, nor things to smell 
or thinks the rub is in stones. The higher power is Jesus Christ who sits on his throne. Not only that, there is a superior morality that this world needs to understand, but they will not see it when we fall and give our worship to idols in this world. The third thing that I want to pull is the lesson from this text is decisions. Charles Spurgeon said this, there is the furnace that man prepares, there is the furnace that Satan prepares, there is a furnace that God prepares. What's the common ground? There's a furnace. What furnace? Where is it coming from? I don't know. You figure that out for your life. But there's a furnace, meaning that there are going to be hard moments that are going to come to your life, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, you think your problem is hard? They were told that if you don't bow, you're being thrown into a fire where you'll be incinerated. How many of you think your story is easy compared to what these Hebrew boys had to go through? But the idea is that there are going to be tough moments that are going to come into your life, so your decision for it matters a whole lot. Dr. David Jeremiah says that whenever we have a hard assignment from God, there seems to be a list of reasons why we shouldn't do it. (laughs) What are your reasons today for the things that God has presented to you, whether it would be walking through some of the pride moments or whether it's the idolatrous things that are placed in our lives today? We're going to have hard assignments But you know what these boys do is they put aside their pride, they put aside the idol that was there, and they led with this thing called decision. These boys decided a couple of things. Number one, they decided that their commitment was not going to be to King Nebuchadnezzar or to this world. They made a commitment to God, and they said, God, whatever you do here, we decide in our hearts today that you are who you say you are. You know what they decided on? They decided that confidence was what they would live with. That even if this fire were to take their lives, they still had a confidence that God was still able to deliver them, which I love. And these boys made a decision to live in conviction, to not compromise. And I am advocating for us today that we have to be followers of Christ who do not compromise and live in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when I look at this story, they didn't even negotiate with king. Oh, king, like if you just turn your eye for a second and we get, no. This is what they say. And I love this. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. These boys make a proclamation right away. God is able to deliver you. Amen? And then this is the title of the message. Because they say, but even if. Somebody say, even if. See, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, king, we ain't bowing down. And that sent the king into an absolute rage because they defied the guy who was trying to become like God. Even if. Watch this. Even if your will doesn't align with God's will, even if, will you still make a decision to pay attention to the one who is worthy of it all? Even if you want to bow your knee, even if you want to go down that path, even if I still know I am not going to surrender my life to anything else. The beauty of Scripture when we get to this moment, let me read a few things for you. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Anybody experienced a problem or a trial in your life? I mean, you're really no different today than these boys then. 
problem or trial is going to come your way. But this is what it says, and we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. 2 Corinthians chapter 4.16 says this, This is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying and our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they will not last very long, yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. We fix our eyes on Jesus. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever when we fix on Jesus. But it gets even better because our whole theme for this year is that God wants to do something new in your life. And so with that said, I turn us to Isaiah chapter 43. And I want you to replace who it's to. Where you see Jacob, put your name, put Colwood Church. But now, Sean Chapman, listen to the Lord who created you. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When, not if, when you go through deep waters, I'm going to be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord your God. Listen to me. Today we need to understand that God is able to deliver you. But how many of you know he has not delivered the way you wanted it at times? That still does not take away from his ability to deliver. God does not promise to save us from the fire. He says that he promises to be with you in the fire. And so we have to look at that perspective today and know it was the same cords that bound these boys to go into the fire. Listen to this. It was the same fire that burned the cords off so that they could be free. Do not fear the fire. Do not fear the water because the promise of Scripture is, I'm going to be with you. There is another in the fire with you today. There is another in the deep waters that you feel like you were drowning in, and his name is Jesus, and he is with you. Oh, this is good. Number four. Number four, and let me finish. Is I see the lesson of shining bright. All of us who follow Jesus as Lord have to face decisions that put our values to the test. But please see this on the screen. People see God in us when we are in the fire. Yeah, it's easy to be a Christian when everything is going great, but when the fire is hot, we are being watched. And do you think these boys were panicked that they were about to literally lose their lives? You better believe it. They had a confidence that God could still deliver them if he chose. But even if, even if, God, your will was different than mine. So they had some troubles. You have troubles. I have troubles. But when we're in the fire, people are paying attention. Why do I know this? Because when they were in the fire, the influence was enlarged. The only bad part about the story is how small this little furnace is. Because it doesn't give it its magnitude. There was a fourth person standing in the fire, visibly. And because of that, it changed the trajectory of that crazy king again to acknowledge who God was, and it changed the course of the entire nation one more time. 
when you say no to pride, when you say no to the idols, and you make decisions knowing that God is able to deliver you, but more than the delivery that he'll be with you in the fire, you can stand tall and you can shine bright because that's what he does in the fire. That's what he does in the deep waters. I can prove it to us all today by looking at King Nebuchadnezzar's response. These are some of the things this king who has his thousands of other gods declares. He says that the God of Rak, Shaq, and Benny, he's the God of the Hebrews. He says that God sends Savior, the angel, which is the depiction of Jesus in the story. He's a God of great power. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a crazy hot fire. He says that God is worthy of trust. In fact, God is worthy of surrender so that you had to yield your bodies now to them. He also goes on to say that if anybody smack talks the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's going to take your arms and your legs and he's going to pull them off your body. How cool is that? What a great picture. I'm going to tear you from limb to limb and then I'm going to burn all your houses to the ground. Woo! This is a great story for Sunday school. This is the king the pagan king making these declarations. Why? Because when you're in the fire and you allow God to do what he does, your influence changes people around you. He will allow you to shine bright in dark places. Now, one last picture, we're done. But you're going to see this picture of a cross with cobblestone wrapped all around it. Most people in a day will pass by what you see on the pavement and they'll get on with their lives. Beautiful streets, walking, cycling, eating with friends, whatever. But this um, cross with cobblestone is ancient. In fact, it comes out of the 1500s. Uh, Let me tell you a very quick story that on October 16th of 1555, bishops Ridley and Latimer And then on March 21st, 1556, Archbishop Thomas Cramer were immolated. Some of you are like, what is immolated? It means that they were burned at the stake alive. This is Broad Street in Oxford, England. Burned to death. They were burned to death because they chose to say no to pride. They chose to say no to the idols that were around. You want to know what their idol was? It was Rome. Rome had this influence. The Pope was in play. You notice that I said one of the gentlemen was Archbishop Thomas Cramer. Archbishop means they got a direct connection to the Pope. This man stood up to the Pope and said, no, no more. I'm not doing this. Because he did it, they went to the fire, literally. Remember when I said moments ago, could God deliver? Well, yes, he can. He delivered these guys, but God did not deliver those guys the way they wanted But you want to know what happened is when they were burning at the stake alive, skin dripping in flames, they knew that God was with them in the fire. This is how I know. It has been said to, it has been read to see that Bishop Latimer said this, be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man, for we shall this day light such a candle in England as I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. And that same life is that picture. 
that we can shine bright even in difficult situations and circumstances. That God is with you, folks. He's with me. When you're standing in that fire and it don't make sense, or you're in the water and it seems like you're about to drown, please hear me. He is not done with you. He is with you in those moments and he wants your light to shine so bright for his kingdom. Whatever you may be walking through today, in this room, online, wherever you are, lay down your pride. Turn away from those idols. Make decisions to say, God, I trust you. And watch how God will make you shine bright in this world. Because there is another in the fire. And guess what? He's standing right beside you today. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Will you stand with me today? We are going to sing, and I bet you guessed it already. We're going to sing the song again that we gave. Probably the song the boys muttered a little bit in their fiery furnace. Are you walking through a fire today? Are you drowning because of the water? Let the words of Isaiah ring true today. You may be walking in the fire, but you will not be burned. You may be drowning today, but don't listen to that narrative because he will rescue you. Because there's another in the fire. If you have stuff today, will you begin to sing with this team as we lift up our voices and recognize who Jesus is? And I'll come back and give us some instructions.
us as the prison walls came in. Nothing stands between us, and nothing stands between. And there ain't another in the fire. With um, all eyes closed in this place today, one of the points that we spoke about this morning was that you have to make a decision. You could choose to keep following your idols or you could choose Yahweh. And perhaps you're in this room today, you're online, and you've never submitted your life to Jesus. I'm telling you, he is the one who died for you. He's the one who stands with you in the fire. And I hope that today he's opened your eyes to see that reality, that he loves you. The fires that you've been walking through, the waters that you've been wading through, he's still there with you. He's never left you because he loves you. And if you're in this space today and you're like, I need that Jesus, Sean, I'd like, you to, I'd like to lead you to him today. If you're in this room today and that's your story, you say, I need Jesus, and you'd like to ask him into your heart. If that's you in this place, say, will you just raise your hand and I'm gonna look around this room quickly. I see your hand, thank you for that looking around if there's anyone here thank you Jesus if that's your prayer today pray this with me Jesus I I see you today and I know that you have something for me I invite you to be my king I'm tired of looking at the idols that I've watched and followed and I surrender those to you and I ask you to forgive me today you come and wash me clean show me that you love me that you stand with me and take me, Jesus, and use me and teach me to be more like you and what that requires of my life. But today I give you thanks that you have found me. I surrender myself to you in Jesus' name. And with eyes closed still in this place, you're saying, Sean, I'm walking through the fire these days. Or I'm, I feel like I'm drowning. If that's you, will you raise your hand in this place today? Because we're going to pray for you. Because I believe that this is a very timely word for you today. You may feel down and out, but guess what? He's right there. So keep those hands raised to him. Father, you see our hands. The fire, the water, whatever it may be. The lies an enemy wants to teach us that you're not there. Says that when light shines on darkness, darkness got to go. And that's what I pray for today. The one thing I ask for, Father, is that you will allow people to see you and that there is hope in you. So where hopelessness is abounded, let hope abound even greater. And I ask today for my friends that you will send them into this week knowing that there is one with them in the fire. And I pray that even if you don't answer the way they do or need, even if, they still will not bow their knees to anything else. And they'll trust you. So Jesus, I give you thanks that you're in the fire with us. I love you. And I pray this over my friends.
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, church, I hope that you will pretend this week that you've been in the fire and that this song will echo through your entire days and you will know that he is there. If you are first time to hear to us today at Call Church, welcome to you. If you wouldn't mind, go to the Welcome Center. Pastor James, Pastor Levi are back there. We'd love to meet you. Men, get signed up for the breakfast and have a fantastic week. We love you. Now go. There is another in the fire. Amen. God bless you guys.